the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand to begin today's broadcast of Way of Grace. If he were not the good shepherd, he might be inclined to leave some of us knuckleheads alone. Because some of us are bad enough to be left alone. There are some of us, the only person that can help us is Jesus. The only person that can deal with us is the Lord. And the reason why he can deal with us and no one else can is because of his intrinsic quality. Are you good? Just how good are you really? And is there anyone that is really good? It all depends upon your definition of good. And here in God's Word, we have a very specific definition. Hi there, and welcome. This is Way of Grace. Pastor Jessica Stand continues with our look at John today. We're in chapter 10, verses 14 through 30. It's there that we have another one of those I am statements. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now, we're going to focus, uh, before we do so, on the shepherd aspect, the aspect of him being good, that he was good in his character, good in his conduct, in his care, and in his communion with the Father. Join us as we take a look at the good shepherd, the fact that Jesus is good. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Suppose all of your Christian life, you had a walk with God by faith that constituted trembling. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Kind of a trembling walk we have with God as you serve God. Because faith is humbling. Faith is not something that makes you proud and arrogant and boastful. When we walk by faith, it means we are walking humbly with the Lord our God, right? Faith is a humbling thing because you got to trust God. You got to trust God and that's not easy. But do you recall those times where you were walking with God and and more times than not, you can count the revelations of his glory that came to you through what Solomon calls in the Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse nine, the lattice, the Venetian blinds where the windows are open just a little bit and you can see through the slats out. And the bride of Solomon, which is, which is a type of the church, and Solomon, a type of Christ, talked about how Solomon would visit her house and be on the outside of the house, making noise to let her know he was near. And she would look through the slats and she could see the silhouette of her lover, the beloved, the one she said is my beloved. And child of God, don't we know those occasions where God shows up in our life, where we can see through the slits and realize that he's near And our hearts start beating faster if you really do love him. Because biblical faith works by what? Love. And so when Christ draws nearer to us, our hearts pant with adoration and longing and desire to see more of him. 
Now, this occurs on those special occasions when God allows you, if you remember, I know there are not many like this, where God allows you to read your Bible. And in reading your Bible, you have these especially anointed times. You know what I'm talking about? Where the font of the text blows up and becomes so large that you're fixed on it. Your mind is locked in. Your your heart is locked in. Your affections are drawn into that text. And you are compelled to stay there and just ruminate on the glory of that proposition or that promise or that that truth that's coming to you. You can't let it go. You know at those times that God is talking to you. We, 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 we call those real devotional periods. The other stuff where you read like, you know, speed reading, that ain't devotion. That's just going through the form of reading. Devotion is when your heart is in it. When God meets you in his word and your heart is in it. And your soul says, Lord, I want to stay right here. Now, you know you got to go to work, right? But your soul says, I want to stay right here because you know that the shepherd of your soul has come near to confirm you as his sheep. And thus we love the word of God, don't we? We love the word of God because through it, the shepherd speaks. However, most of the time, be honest with me, most of the time you and I are kind of just Walking in the darkness of faith. You got that? We are walking in the darkness of faith, holding the hand of the shepherd as he leads us through this crazy world, right? Committed to hope, and hope is always that which you do not see. Committed to hope, right? Trusting that he will get us to point A, from point A to point B safely. Is that the normative walk of the believer? The believer is walking in the darkness of faith. Faith is the substance of things what? Hope for the evidence of things what? Not seen. So we don't walk by sight. We walk by what? Right. And as such, we are trusting the Savior in spite of our circumstances. Now that's the walk of a sheep with his shepherd. Where the shepherd has laid out promise upon promise to the sheep that he will get you to the fold. Didn't we learn last week that sheep do three things, right? They follow, they feed, and they what? fold. They follow, they feed, and they fold. That's all we do. That's why we don't watch sheep movies because it's boring, right? All they do is follow, feed, and fold. Follow, feed, and fold. And if you're Christ, you're called to do what? Follow him. And if you're Christ, you're called to follow him to the green pastures where he feeds your soul and strengthens and nurtures you and enters into a relationship with you. And then after feeding you, he calls you to continue to follow him. We get a chance to rest. That's what the fold means. Didn't we learn that last week? You guys remember that typo in our outline where I had the word dressed, D-R-E-S-T? Well, my boy came through. My boy came through. Y'all asking which boy it is. I'm not going to tell you, but my boy came through. He texted me. He said, Pastor, that's a good word. D-R-E-S-T is an old archaic word for what is now called (laughs) D-R-E-S-S-E-D. So while we're called to follow him into the fold and rest, we're also called to follow him into the fold and get dressed. D-R-E-S-T. I just wanted to let you know sometimes your mistakes are not mistakes at all. It's just 
people are too ignorant to know it's not a mistake. But what truly is the assurance of salvation for the believer? What constitutes the assurance of our salvation as a believer? If in fact we are walking by faith in the darkness of hope and the expectation of hope, the assurance of the believer is what Christ has done for us, what Christ is doing for us, and what Christ will do for us. Listen to these words in verse 27 and 28 as we begin to lay down a characteristic of his role as shepherd. And I want you to really grasp this today. The Lord Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. It does not say, and they know him, even though that's true too. It's more important that he knows us than that we know him. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them what? Eternal life. And they shall never what? Perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I want you to grasp right here in verses 27 and 28 the security and assurance of the believer in Christ. Verse 27 and 28 describes what we call the security of our salvation and the assurance of our salvation. And here's how I want you to understand this. The security of God's people does not lie in who they are or what they do, but rather the security of God's people lies in who he is, what he did, and their assurance lies in what he has said he has done, he is doing, and he will do. Please get this. You and I are not to find our assurance in what we do. We are to find our assurance in what he did. For while you are seeking to find assurance in what you do, you are carving out your own works righteousness, which might well deceive you in this life, making you think you're all right with God. But on that day when you stand before him, he might very well say to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I want to press this home. The, the security of the believer and the assurance of the believer It's completely rooted in their confidence in their shepherd. Do y'all hear what I just said? It is for this reason you want to know Jesus. You want to know the Father. You want to know the Son. You want to know the Holy Ghost because this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Have you guys got my opening emphasis that the security of the believer is predicated upon and based upon who Christ is and what he has said. The assurance of our soul lies in this fact that he has told us that he has given us eternal life and that we will never what? Perish. What awesome words from the mouth of the shepherd of the sheep. Now, pastor, why is it that the Lord Jesus standing in the front of these thousands of people And more particularly, the rulers of the church, which we have already identified, are called false shepherds, right? Of whom God had already declared, both in Jeremiah and in Ezekiel, that he would take his sheep out of their hands. Because they scattered them abroad upon the mountains, and they fed themselves and not the sheep. You guys remember that? Christ here, in the person of the Father, and by the power of the Spirit, is snatching sheep out of their hand and bringing them to himself right as we speak. 
And what is he doing for their soul? Comforting them with words that only he could give to them. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. You know what the blind man said? Amen. You know what the disciple said? Amen. You know what the woman caught in adultery said? Amen. You know what the lame man that was at the, at, at the waters by Bethesda said? Amen. And all those whom Jesus had touched and called could say amen. Because they are gathered together under the Lord's shepherd and they know how blessed they are to know Jesus as their savior. And our Lord Jesus is uttering words to the larger audience, but they are designated for his people. How important is it then for you to hear the word of God from the Lord himself, assuring you that nothing will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? How important is it? Very important. But now you and I need to ask the question, why is it that Jesus could be so bold and so confident and so declarative, so emphatic about saving his people and them never perishing. It's going to be because of three, uh, three particular reasons, which can be actually encapsulated under one term, and that is the shepherd. He has confidence in their salvation because he has confidence in who he is, which he has plainly declared in verse 11 and in verse 14. The title of our message today And I want you to get this as we lay down the second to our last consideration of who he is as the shepherd of the people of God. He said in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. You got that? I am the good shepherd. And then he said it again in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. He said it twice. Now, here's what I want you to get now, because we're going to work this. You guys know adjectives are descriptions of nouns, right? The noun in our text is what? Shepherd. But the adjective is what? Good. I want you to get this now. He's describing himself in a certain way in order for us to understand that as the good shepherd, we have no reason to ever doubt that he will do what he said he would do. Now, when he said he is the good shepherd, the Jews understood fully well what he meant. They had already known about Yahweh the shepherd, right? I've taught you this before. The psalmist lays it out. The Old Testament lays it out. Israel was a shepherding people. God was the shepherd of his people in the Old Testament. He used men such as Moses and Joshua and others to lead his sheep out of Egypt into the promised land. Is that true? The days of Cain and Abel, Abel was a shepherd, Joseph was a shepherd, Jacob was a shepherd, Abraham and and Isaac and the rest, they were all shepherds, herders of flocks. This is the great pedagogy of the Old Testament. We're all just sheep, right? And it all depends upon whose care we are under, whether or not we can find security and comfort. But the Old Testament makes it clear, according to Psalm 80 verse 1, that Yahweh is the shepherd of his people. Jehovah is the shepherd of his people. The Jews then hearing Christ call himself the shepherd would have known that he is there representing his father as the son of the living God, as the very God man, the very God man, a very God himself, as the one who led Israel out of Egypt into the promise. They would have known that. But in order for him to press home the exclusivity of his office as shepherd, he calls himself the good shepherd. 
I just want you to get that. When he says, I am the good shepherd, what he was saying was, in light of being the good shepherd, there are no other good shepherds in the world. Y'all got that? Say with me now, when he says, I am the good shepherd, that makes every other shepherd not good. All right? He, he's shutting down the shepherding business in Israel right here. And by virtue of him calling himself the good shepherd, he is excluding himself from them by virtue of his character, by virtue of his conduct, and by virtue of his care, which is the outline in your text that I want to develop today. You guys got that? When he says, I am the good shepherd, he's giving us insight into point one in your outline. He's giving us insight into who he is. Now, the term good in our text in verse 11 and 14 is a Greek term that corresponds to the idea of being intrinsically and qualitatively good. Okay? Agathos is intrinsically and qualitatively good. The other word that is used is kalos, which also means good, but it describes a goodness that can be seen, a goodness that can be observed. When Christ talks about himself as good, he's talking about himself first as good intrinsically. You know a thing can look good on the outside, but be bad on the inside. Is that true? What Christ is saying here when he says, I am the good shepherd, he is saying, I am intrinsically good. I am internally good. I'm good through and through. Now, this is designed for you to understand how the sheep can find comfort in the shepherd. Because if the shepherd was not truly good, the shepherd might end up doing something like all the other shepherds did. One is, watch this now, run from the wolf when the wolf comes and leave the sheep to be slaughtered. You got that? See, we read in verse 13 of chapter 10 something of that nature. Notice what it says. The hireling fleeth because he is a what? Hireling and he does not what? Care for the sheep. And immediately Jesus says in verse 14, but I am the good shepherd. Do you see it? If he were not the good shepherd, he might be inclined to leave some of us knuckleheads alone. Because some of us are bad enough to be left alone. There are some of us, the only person that can help us is Jesus. The only person that can deal with us is the Lord. And the reason why he can deal with us and no one else can is because of his intrinsic qualities. So stay with me. There are three adjectives that describe his role as shepherd. And I want to deal with them both over today and uh, next week in order for you to understand the larger role of his office as shepherd. John chapter 10 describes him as the good shepherd. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, pull it up, describes him as the chief shepherd. I'm sorry, the great shepherd. John chapter 10 describes him as the good shepherd. John, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, describes him as the great shepherd. Look at it. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our who? Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. You see it? That great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the everlasting covenant. Do you see it? I want you to understand, in order for him to be great, he must first be good. 
I'll deal with that next week. There's one more adjective I want you to look at with regards to the characteristics of your shepherd and mine. If you are a believer, it's in first Peter chapter five, verse four, first Peter five, four. I want you to see this now. Watch this because I want to help you understand the beauty of the goodness of Christ in our text in first Peter chapter four, five, verse four. Peter is describing the time when the Lord Jesus will come back and straighten out all this mess that's going on. And notice how he describes Christ in verse 4. And when the chief shepherd, do you see it? And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you, see the word ye? It's in the plural form. And guess who it's describing? Pastors and shepherds. No, pastors and shepherds such as I am. The epistle opens up in chapter 5 calling on the elders and the overseers and the leaders. Calling on the elders and the overseers and the leaders who are called shepherds. Peter was a shepherd. Paul was a shepherd. The disciples were shepherds. Pastors are called shepherds. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now I want you to get this now. If Christ was not a good shepherd, he could not be a great shepherd. And if he wasn't a great shepherd, he could not be a chief shepherd. Because as chief shepherd, he has preeminence over all the other under shepherds. Now, this is extremely important for your soul and mine. No chief shepherd, no under shepherd. No under shepherd, no gospel priest in faithfulness to you. Do you get that? No chief shepherd, no under shepherds. Because all under shepherds are, are subordinate shepherds under the chief shepherd. Now I'm going to drive that home more significantly next week. Your soul and my soul is dependent upon him not only being good, but being great. Not only being great, but being what? Chief. In order that the gospel might go into all the world by people called by God to preach that gospel and thus be shepherds for Christ to your soul. Go back to point number one. Let me work through this. I just stated to you that Jesus is calling himself the good shepherd in our text in order to help the disciples understand who he is qualitatively in his nature. And I want you to be blessed by this. Point number one, Christ was good in his what? Character. He was good in his character. Now, character means intrinsic qualities that manifest themselves in who you are as a distinct person. Your personhood and your character defines who you are, right? A person is who they are in terms of their character. Now, your character may very well manifest itself in ways different than your conduct. But if you are consistent with who you are in your character, you will be known in terms of your character by your what? Conduct. But character and conduct are two different things. You know what the word is? Hypocrisy. Y'all got that? So when we're talking character, what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying that I am the good shepherd because I am sinless in my being and in my person. Y'all got that? I am the good shepherd because I am sinless In my being and in my person. I am sinless in my being and in my person. It was just in John chapter 8 verse 46. Will you pull that up? John chapter 8 verse 46 where Jesus raised this question to the rulers. In John chapter 8 verse 46, he says, which of you convinces me of what? Now, if I'm telling you the truth, why do you not believe me? Christ over and over again challenged the rulers in their allegation that he was just a common human being, a common sinner like the rest of us. But how many of you know that Jesus never, ever once sinned? How many of you know that Jesus didn't know sin? How many of you know that 
in Jesus was no sin at all. I like to lay it out like this. The Bible says in him was no sin at all. That's 1 John chapter 3. The Bible says he knew no sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. What that means is he was never acquainted with it. You couldn't charge him with hanging out with sin. You and I drink sin like, like water. The Lord Jesus has nothing to do with sin. The Bible plainly tells us that he was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. Are y'all with me? Right. And so the Bible says he also did no sin. This is First Peter chapter 2. And the reason why I lay this out is because if Jesus actually knew sin, did sin, sin was in him, he could not be good. He could not be good. We learned this last night in our men's meeting. When the Bible talks about good, and men love to take terms and, and define them in ways that correspond to themselves, but when the Bible talks about good, ultimately good can only be ascribed to one person. Do you know who that is? God himself. Such a wonderful time here in God's Word. It's our hope and prayer that you're growing in grace as you take the time to study God's Word with us. We thank you for joining us. This is Way of Grace, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We would leave you with an invitation. If you enjoyed the time you've had with us today studying God's Word, please consider this a formal invitation to join us in person. Sunday services at Grace Bible Church in Hayward are at 11 a.m. Sunday schools at 10. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We've got a lot of folks from all over and from a variety of churches joining us Friday evenings at 8 p.m. for this Bible study. You're invited to either one. We're located at 20450 Royal Avenue. That's here in Hayward. And the zip code is 94541. If you're trying to tom-tom us or uh, Google us for the map, you can also get directions at our website, grace-bible.com. Again, that's grace-bible.com. Or simply call for directions, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. As always, we have CDs available. You can download the messages off our website or call us and order a CD of today's broadcast or any program that you have heard here on Way of Grace. We'd be more than happy to get one out to you. You can call us at 510-886-9782 or stop by our website, grace-bible.com. We do thank you for spending time with us today. Trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.